Those Space People, a podcast series of casual cosmic conversations with people working on exciting space projects. Today we have Omkar Nikam with us. He is the founder of Access Hub, a space technology, defense and security research and analysis firm with a global coverage and a special emphasis on Europe. Omkar is also a freelance consultant and analyst and he writes extensively around space applications for defense and also international security. Do check out his podcast, The Space Defense and Security Podcast. Link will be in the description. And he is currently based in Strasbourg, France. And Omkar is one of the people in the space industry who is testament to the fact that there's no limit to one's imagination in carving out a niche for oneself. And I'm super excited about this conversation. So welcome to the podcast, Omkar. Thank you very much, Rashna. It's great to be on the podcast. I have been following your podcast since past one year, I would say. And finally, it is great to you know transition from a listener to a guest. Thank you very much again. Oh, you're you're, you're very kind. Thanks. And uh, yeah, so Omkar, you had a very interesting career path, right? So you started with a bachelor degree in uh, GIS, remote sensing, and then you got into technical writing, and alongside did another journalism course. So what I'm very curious is what made you first of all aware of this path in the first place? Because back in 2015, 16-ish. Uh, space or even GIS wasn't really as popular in India as it is now, uh, let alone science writing or technical writing around this subject. So what really made you go down this path? Yes, thank you very much for this question, because I think uh, I actually never got an opportunity to actually tell people in a much more extensive manner, because a lot of people actually ask me this in the industry. And, you know, in the conferences, you cannot really extend a conversation uh, beyond certain limit due to the time limitation and also... Yeah, I would like to actually take a step back and uh, tell you about this thing. Like the ambition towards space was actually not even a motive in my life. Uh, The whole point was to actually enter the Indian Armed Forces. And uh, since my childhood, because I come from a small town called as Alibag, and uh, one of the head of Operation Blue Star, of course, it was not such a successful operation though, uh, the head of the Operation Blue Star, uh, General Arun Kumar Vaidya. So he's he was from Alibag. And growing up, you know, looking at all the aspects of the defense, the armed forces, all of it, like Army, Navy, Air Force, Indian Armed Forces. So that actually fascinated me, you know, like, okay, I, I want to be something like this since my childhood, actually. Uh, yeah, then came the point, I, graduated, I did my 10th standard, everything was going smoothly. I even entered the military school where we were extensively prepared for uh, National Defense Academy uh, for their entrance exam. Uh, then the SSB interview, which goes on for five days. Uh, we did all the preparations, everything happened. But uh, unfortunately, uh, during the medical, the last day, uh, I got to know that, you know, because of my flat foot, uh, of course, I cannot enter the Indian Armed Forces. Uh, my target was, of course, Army. Uh, but yeah, I was, of course, not the only one. There were a lot of people that I have seen, even my seniors. So th- there's one catch, you know, uh, about SSB. Like, that's what the people uh, inside the armed forces say. And even the people who are outside uh, who have who are rejected previously, I say that, you know, a person who clears the SSB but fails to clear the medical, even if he doesn't do anything great in the armed forces, he does something, you know, Something that is much more appreciate, appreciable than the traditional world uh, in the outside world. So I guess 
I didn't actually took those words so seriously because after getting rejection from the SSB, I was kind of, you know, kind of depressed, I would say, because that was the only thing that I actually wanted ever in my life. And when this rejection came in, I was in my second year of bachelor's. And that was my last attempt at the age of 19 for the National Defense Academy. And of course, I didn't want to go for the civil services and uh, it was not even actually option for me. Uh, but then, you know, we always say that whenever you are down uh, or so one door closes, the another door opens. And I think that's, that's what happened with me. So during my bachelor's, actually, I had taken up the subjects, chemistry, biology, zoology, and geology. That was my combination of four subjects. And the reason I took this kind of, you know, subjects where, you know, there is not much technicality required is because I had a plan (laughs) that if I failed NDA, I would possibly, you know, apply for, you know, the short service commission that is after the bachelor's in Indian Armed Forces again. But yeah, unfortunately, the dreams are all shattered because of the medical rejections. Uh, and then came a point where one of our professors from the Ferguson College Geology Department. So his father was he he himself was a, actually a son of ex armed forces personnel, and so he you know told me like chap look at me that you know I'm not going to tell you something like choose this path or choose another path for your career. I know you want to get into defense. But I'll tell you one thing that, you know, you can always connect the dots. And geology is one of the subjects where you can actually make the networks. Like it's not like the other subject, like physics, chemistry, mathematics, the core STEM subjects. These are independent subjects. Geology is not independent. Geology, if you study in that, uh, maybe gemology, mineralogy, you need expertise from physics, mathematics. So the subject itself is multidisciplinary. And that's where, you know, I started connecting the dots that I started exploring the space of geology as a subject. Then I came across, okay, there's a planetary science, there is astrobiology in it. And later on, I started digging out more. And I came to a point where I got to know, okay, the space, if you look at the space as a whole, is the military is the prime consumer of the space resources, that is the satellite technology. And yeah, that's when actually the journey started towards the space industry. So my whole motive to get into the space industry was to connect my ambition of defense to this industry. And so, yeah, from the second year of my bachelor's, the journey started. And yeah, then I came here to France as well after working for around six to seven years in India. So yeah, that's that's pretty much my academic path, I would say. <laughs> Wow, that is incredible. Like I would not have uh, imagined any anybody pursuing geology in order to make this space applications around defense, international security kind of connection with this motivation. That's wow, that's super incredible. <laughs> you were, uh, that was pretty visionary, actually. I mean, maybe thanks to your, uh, to your mentor, your guide, or for you to making the mental leap that that was really incredible. So after that, you moved to France, right, for your uh, master's at the ISU, at the International Space University. And then you, your master's was in aerospace policy, economics and law. So was this an organic next step for your path or why did you choose this this particular degree again? 
so again uh, just to you know take a step back so after my bachelor's actually i was uh, i mean during my bachelor's itself when i realized this connection of space to defense i started actually enrolling in small amateur astronomy groups in pune and then i came across of course inter university center for astronomy and astrophysics uh, where i was working with several uh, projects related to the astronomy we did one project related to the planetary science as well about the jupiter io which was presented at tifr in mumbai and later on like you know i just wanted to get a gist of you know whether i am a perfect candidate for research because you know all over till my uh, you know age, till the age of around 20 i was never of this ambition that you know i would like to do a research or i would like to do a phd or a masters my whole focus was into you know the physical demanding roles but I, then i started thinking okay as the knowledge base and as the you know network of the people started expanding after my bachelor's i tried to you know experiment myself so i went to uh, anna university for masters then over there i got an internship with the ministry of earth sciences institute uh, at national institute of ocean technology and that was actually a turning point for me because during that patch of 1 to 2 months i got to know that okay i'm not really a best person for you know research or it's that field is not meant for me i can be in this sector but i really need to do something else because you know a research requires a lot of patience you need to sit you it, it's a kind of a lonely job just the way the writer's job is but i didn't had that level of accuracy and i realized that you know that okay this is my weakness and you know i'm if i keep on doing it i will never succeed in it yeah so that realization and that turning point was very important so that that was that moment i actually directly dropped out from the masters program it was in my third semester because i thought you know if i cannot give 100% to something then it's better to drop out that's what i thought then i came back to pune as then i started you know exploring the arenas of journalism business communication and from there actually things kick started towards uh, you know the non technical side like i started looking at the space and defense issues from the non technical perspective from the research analysis market research perspective as well and during those years i realized okay journalism i started taking up but i'll tell you the kick start of the journalism and how it is important later on in the conversation after having around like an experience of around 6 to 7 years then i thought okay now it is time to you know gain a little more deeper experience but because when you are working as a journalist or a business communication person or a business reporter in space and defense you gain a surface level knowledge but you you cannot really go into the depth of the things like for for example like the work that i do right now here in france like i actually you know go on a system level and you know looking at the full system components and all these things in consulting and all Uh, but that was not the case when i was a journalist and that's when i thought it's better to you know now uh, take a step out of india and enroll at the international space university so that's how i came to france uh, i took the decision in 2016 and 2017 i finally got the admission uh, though i would say academically it was not a you know i would say very strong journey but with respect to the network i would say isu has helped a lot in that perspective uh, because every other person in the space industry especially in the europe are from isu so 
it helped me for networking a lot actually that's for sure yeah absolutely i can i can uh, completely imagine isu is where yeah most of the space folks the coolest i guess one of the coolest space folks are there and uh, there is absolutely no limit to one's imagination there you know you can carve out anything you want i was also wondering because you your path has been quite unconventional right it's not like you 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 dropping out of research for example is like a is a big deal especially in the indian scene uh, have you faced any i don't know uh, discouragement from people around you or your family or because i i still remember you know when i quit my so job uh, i was 27 when i quit and then i had this intense backlash <laughs> from my from my colleagues from my mentors from my uh, back in the store from my family so it's every time you kind of pivot and then you realize this is not for me and do something a bit offbeat you get this kind of discouragement have you faced any of that or were you very lucky in 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 being encouraged in all your all your decisions yeah i would i would actually like to say that you know uh, i mean as a woman i firstly respect you you know for going through this uh, effectively and rising up again <laughs> so now i would like to tell you uh, the my side of the story so yes definitely i actually went through that quite a lot i mean there was there was a discouragement not only at the professional level but even at the personal level as well uh because it's not the way you know the society operates especially in the traditional indian families and the ecosystem uh but i guess as we proceed i mean you know if we have to go through like i would say if you really want to do something you have to go through that pain and i think you also realize that uh if, if there is no other option you have to go through it and uh, once you get through it i think there's a bigger horizon awaits for you to take you to some you know bigger heights as well so the one of the things i observed you know in that actually segment and i think is the mindset of the people you know uh, the way people think uh, even and i was like horrified to see that you know people from astrophysics people from the space industry as well were even looking at me at that time <clears throat> in a very traditional or a conventional way i would say uh but yeah you know at the end of the day we have to accept this fact that space applications or you know space industry in general itself is a multidisciplinary domain it's not as i said like just like geology you know you take earth observation you're going to need you know software background or you're going to need a lot of you know mathematical background with you you take satellite communication you're going to need a mechanical and electronic engineering background with you so you take anything in the space industry you're going to need something or the other expertise and uh, that's what people were not understanding you know when i actually dropped out like you know because i was trying to gain the expertise from other domains to find out you know what i'm good at because i got to know what i'm not good at <laughs> so so i i was trying to find what i i am good at and i think every person should do this because uh, of course it's a personal perspective of each of uh, of every individual i would say uh, but it generally you know if you find out what you are not good at it you automatically actually incline towards or rush towards you know finding out what you are good at and i think that uh, will i think i would say that kept uh, that made me survive actually those storms i would say <laughs> yeah yeah having that clarity absolutely helps right because uh, even when i think back 
um so this next transition to the next step or this kind of pivoting was very obvious to me but it wasn't obvious to others it was actually the other way around for the others it was quite uh, counterintuitive to the others so but it's easier i i i guess it becomes easier the more confident and sure you are of your path uh, then it doesn't really matter what others think but absolutely i get the indian pressure yes and uh, yeah <laughs> can be quite a tricky tricky situation but i i guess at the end of the day we are also you and me or you know people like us who make these kind of offbeat pivots we are also a bit privileged is what i feel because we don't really have any great financial obligations or any other obligations that that would force us into these conventional traditional career paths so i guess i would also count us quite lucky in having the freedom to choose these offbeat paths definitely i think uh, one more thing like i would like to add uh is is that you know the narrative setting uh, i mean I, i learned this very uh late i would say Uh, because i think if i if i would have mastered it very well uh, back in the early days it would have been better but i think that's where the educational gap is even in the space industry i see we we don't see a lot of people you know talking from a social sciences perspective in the space industry for an example i would like to give is the domain of space exploration i mean if we look at the kind of initiatives and the things that are coming up at the moment everything is fine i highly respect the engineers in this industry but you have to look at the social aspect as well of it uh, one of the things is is the narrative setting and i think right now in the situation that we are uh, it's the war between russia ukraine is going on and we know that you know a certain group or a particular nation's perspectives been hammered on certain group or the industries right at the moment so space industry at the moment doesn't have any option uh, but to ex- eliminate or exclude all the kind of uh, the narratives which don't align with the narratives of the west at the moment uh, but i think this situation can be improved what i'm trying to say is like the space industry or the commercial enterprises should try to at least take the control of their own narrative where they are standing and this narrative building doesn't come you know like magically you cannot build the narrative by being an excellent en- engineer you need a social sciences background for it and uh, coming back to my point of journalism so this is the reason i actually took up journalism uh, because i realized one thing like whether you might be a ceo of the of a company or you might be a greatest scientist in the world there are only four skills that can sharpen up your career and your or help you achieve whatever you want that is reading writing and listening and speaking so so if you really want to do anything in your life or if you want to achieve anything in your life i would say this four skill set are very important rest everything you know comes later on and i think this this four skill set help you set your narrative like setting up your own narrative is, is like uh for example i would like to give like we say you know why elon musk is so successful okay people say generally that okay he has a political contacts he he's you know known very well he has a lot of network but the thing is it's not only enough to have the network or the contacts in the industry you need to set your narrative you need to tell the people effectively what you actually want out of it and i think space exploration as a domain is failing in that they are unable to convince the people in what they want 
and what what things are going to come out of the initiatives they're failing to set the narratives and i think uh, i believe if you see there are several uh, kind of verticals for example uh, we had never seen like the you know the satellite communication industry in the leo ngos segment getting you know so much uh, kind of a, i would say upliftment because before spacex and everyone there was a company called as leosat but yeah unfortunately with them also that's what happened you know they failed to set the narrative in front of the investors it's it's not about how how much of a technically good plan you have but it's more about how much well narrative setting you can do and i think this is where the social sciences aspect come into the play because narrative setting is something very much high related to the social sciences knowledge base as opposed to you know the engineering and all so yeah that's that's the point i wanted to include yeah yeah i i completely agree one definitely needs a a very multidisciplinary perspective on this global space scene right to really shape the sector because tech at the end of the day only forms a very small part geopolitics and econ- economics are the biggest drivers in fact um, and you're absolutely right when you're when one is an engineer or a scientist or uh, contributing to any space mission or spending any space activity in a technical capacity or a scientific capacity we have a very limited vision of how this whole space dynamics work and uh, i i only realized this after i uh, opted to do the space law course and i'm like whoa tech tech is such a tiny part <laughs> so many things even historically even currently even in the future there's so many other things driving it um and coming coming to the since you mentioned setting the narrative right do you think space sci-fi in the form of books tv series uh could play a role in reaching the masses definitely i mean there is no other greater form in this world to reach the mass audience than the films because to watch a film you don't need a degree you know you can you, <laughs> you, anyone can watch the film and yeah i would like to just add on this because you know from all the things that we discussed just now and there are a lot of things that i have personally experienced as well so i'm i'm actually writing a book uh, with a female led character uh, i'm hoping to finish it by the end of 2023 uh, it, of course it's it's not fully related to the space industry uh, but the story revolves around you know the asian perspective from the india especially i would say but covers the asian perspective of espionage counter terrorism the space industry and all uh, but yeah i would i would be of course happy to tell about it once once you know it the publishing gets accepted and all these things but but the reason actually it came to my mind is because when i was doing journalism i i i you know it's not that you know i was doing 100 like all the 24 hours a day it was just space or defense related assignments as i was working with a general firm so we were actually also reporting for a lot of film festivals and that's where i got to know the thing that you know like entertainment is such a kind of a space where you can actually amplify what you are trying to say like for example people really didn't know about black holes a lot i mean appreciable amount of people knew in the industry and the other industries as well other than space but just look at the graph since interstellar has released so after the release of interstellar you know the conversation of the astrophysics i observed in india 
are happening even at the level where you know you cannot even imagine in you know even in the small villages because generally when i used to visit some some of the villages near my town and all you know the conversation that we used to have is about you know okay uh, when did you came and you know we don't have water and all these things but <laughs> but now the conversations are about you know okay you're working in space can you tell us about black holes you know so that that's the kind of conversation a change that has happened since the release of interstellar and i think more can be done uh, from this perspective of course the uh, thing that i'm writing is actually from a female perspective because i'm focusing on a female led character uh, because i believe uh, especially in the indian setting historically the indian females that they have contributed in terms of uh, you know carrying out a high level spy activities as well for the britishers back in the world war 2 those are so underrated it's unfortunate that neither the indian uh, industry or neither the hollywood as well they try to or you know they haven't even tried to focus on it few of the films have came out uh, which actually had focus on the female characters but yeah i'm trying to actually widen that lens uh, to put more spotlight on the indian women especially and their contribution so of course it's a fictional story but yeah i'd be happy to discuss it after <laughs> once the book is accepted by the publishers and all yeah wow Omkar, you have totally made my weekend about this book. I can't wait to read the sci-fi book of yours. First of all, of course, the female perspective is incredible. Uh, an Indian perspective, all the more uh, exciting. More than all these things, I think you're given your experience, right? So you 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 are a geologist. You've been in. You've dabbled with economics, the space law. You've done aerospace policy and defense, security. So given all these. Uh, this this kind of a multidisciplinary perspective and your experiences i i can't wait to read your book so let maybe let's have another podcast episode once everything gets going with your book and then yeah we can do a dedicated episode on it yes and also yes i completely agree that entertainment uh, you mentioned interstellar right we all i think the masses the so called masses who are not really scientists or technical uh, people who've never really read about black holes or the fourth time or the multiple dimensions we all kind of rose to the occasion and then we you know we ended up watching it twice and thrice and googled about it and then educated ourselves and got into interesting conversations so i guess uh, you're absolutely right entertainment is probably the best way the most effective way to uh, shape the the perspectives of the masses because now we get our news we we shape our political views from late night comedy shows from stand up comedians so entertainment is a you're absolutely right i totally agree with you it's a it's a wonderful tool yes definitely yeah so coming back to the present in your case now you've started pursuing a master of arts and ma degree in international relations security and strategy is this also like a natural progression for you what knowledge do you envisage gaining from this gaining from pursuing this yeah so the thing is uh, i mean like i've work right now full time and there was i mean i was trying to see uh, if i can pursue some masters course uh, you know possibly as a full time but of course i tried to iterate these things that i cannot of course leave my uh, current industry work because I, of course i leave then you know things get halted in terms of networking and everything and then i came across this course on coursera 
from Jindal Global University. So by the way, actually, before coming to France, I had applied, you know, to several universities and Jindal Global University was also one of them. Uh, so I had received like offered letters from uh, Jindal Global University and ISU together at the same time. But I chose ISU. And uh, again, you know, we say that, you know, you always go back to the thing. So I think that's what has happened with me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So and I think this course, uh, the reason I started with this course is because uh, during my last five years of patch here in Europe, working in the space industry and especially specializing in military satellite communication. I came across a lot of pointers and small nuggets, you know, related to the geopolitics, international security. Uh, for example, I'll try to give you is, uh, okay, I'm a, you know, military satellite company and I want to sell a capacity. You know, it's not as easy as a commercial company can operate, where you know, you just go to the VC, get the money, start distributing services. Here, you actually need to know the levels of diplomacy the kind of networking you would like to do with the government relations or the government contacts. And while actually working with several clients from the both the government and the private sector, I realized, realized that I am, you know, having a lot of gap in the knowledge of the international security relations strategy. And that is that's when I realized that you know it is it is necessary to actually do a specialized course. Of course, I didn't realize it uh, very quickly after a patch of five years, as I said, having small experiences day by day. I realized that you know I need to take something uh, in this area or the domain. So the primary motive is to actually cement my position uh, that I'm existingly working in the military satellite communication, add a kind of a more strategic layer of knowledge on onto it. And that's the reason I started pursuing it. And one of the prime reason I would say uh, when I decided to actually take this course is because the faculties who are teaching us this course online are the former, some of them are, you know, the former officers or the former diplomats who are teaching us. So I would always actually suggest to the people that, you know, if they are trying to, at, at this day and age of the career, if they are trying to take up any kind of courses, especially in this kind of domain uh, related to the political science, social sciences, uh, you know, try to see or look at the faculties who who have been, you know, on field in that particular area. So the person or the professors who are actually teaching us the subjects of diplomacy and international relations has himself been a diplomat uh, through his career of around like 30 years. And yeah, and I think there lies a difference. For example, I I can tell about this thing. Back when in India, when I was doing, you know, I dropped out from the masters. One of the reasons that, you know, when I was studying was that the faculties were, you know, not an active researchers. You know, I would like, the thing is, you need a faculty who works on field on that issue. For example, it will always make a difference uh, to learn something from a person who has actually worked on field as opposed to a person who has never worked on field and is just coming to the class and teaching you. And I think that is one of the prime reasons I would say the most successful kind of institutes you can always find or the most successful individuals you can always find in the career path are doctors. Because, you know, the doctor education always happens inside a hospital where a uh, 
uh, where an individual actually gets a hands-on experience on everything that they are seeing while they're having the lectures in the evening or in the morning they're you know interacting with the doctors but we don't see this thing happening with lot of engineering uh, even the arts and the other science colleges too and i think that things needs to be there of course as a collective for the collective good i'm talking about but yeah the whole reason that i uh, one of the reason prime reasons that i took up this course is because the faculties are you know who have actually taught uh, or have been working on field and then now they are you know teaching us so whenever they tell us or start teaching us about some incidents they actually tell us the real life experience on it so that that is very helpful you know it kind of inspires you motivates you to you know learn more <laughs> absolutely that that's absolutely true because in that case it's no longer just uh, an academic course right it's uh, they they are um, concentrating all their experience that they've gained throughout their career throughout their long careers and giving you the extract of it so that's uh, i can only imagine it being an incredible experience absolutely true so omkar you've been uh, you've been doing consulting and you've also been an analyst for the last many many years how do you land these consulting opportunities and are these opportunities or the projects you have done mostly international assignments are they mostly focused around europe or how does that this whole thing work so yeah uh, i think right after my masters uh, i was fortunate enough to actually uh, get into a consulting firm because that's what i wanted to do Uh, my whole point of you know coming to france was not to actually <laughs> uh, work in like space uh, for a space agency or you know kind of a very full scale space companies manufacturing components my whole transition that i wanted to do is from you know being a uh, kind of a generalized uh, i would say business journalism expert to you know a market research or a consulting consultant i would say and during my masters itself you know i kept a track of this thing that i take, took my into an individual project related to you know something that aligns well with the consulting like a market report and all this stuff and yeah it was it was pretty easy to actually get in because i received i was very much active on linkedin and i received the internship offer from the linkedin itself from the hotel gateway oh, consulting wow. yeah so they actually uh, messaged me on linkedin and that's how things kick started and i'm very fortunate to them uh, that i think uh, the one of the key reasons that i chose to be with them even though you know they were very small at that time is because they were working on several other markets other than you know the middle eastern asian or the european satellite markets or the american so we are working on latin american markets russian chinese market as well and i think when you work on the kind of markets which don't have information publicly available as such you you know automatically start gaining kind of an edge in your expertise and i think that's what happened with me because after a year i was unable to judge myself in in a way that you know okay i have got uh, so much knowledge because i was speaking with some people in conference and i i was unable to actually believe myself that you know but you know it happened in the process even i didn't realize it because uh, you know that's the thing for example if you are not finding something on google if you try to search about uh, even you try if you try to search about radio spectrum related things about france because you know they use french language 
it is tough but if you keep on searching you keep on researching on those things on google on other open web sources you will see in that streak of research you will have you would have you know learned so many things that of course your mind couldn't actually go back and see how much you have captured it but when you start speaking with the industry people you get to know that you know how much you have learned in that process so that's what happened when i was working on the chinese latin american and the russian satellite markets back then you know whereas my all my friends were actually working on the european and uh, north american satellite markets middle east and asian markets and yeah i was work in during the internship i was feeling sad i was like i'm like oh, okay <laughs> i'm like i'm working on russian and chinese market okay who, who is going to look at me now so but yeah i think that that gave me edge over everything later on in the career path and uh, i think that that's what actually launched me uh, as an independent consultant as well uh, in the industry uh, it, that experience helped me to kind of cast a wide net over everything and i believe a lot of uh, i would say uh, the expertise that are there in market research and consulting is journalism you know journalism with much more depth in research writing and analysis i would say as i said you know previously right now the work that i do as a consultant or even if you know there are consultants in other you know sectors as well but generally if you see from this perspective that the non tech if you are in non technical field you need prime skills that you'll be using or two that is writing and communication so if you are in sales you need a good communication background and if you are into writing like me into consulting or uh, doing journalism you need a good writing skill set so you know again going back to the point uh, the degrees and all the knowledge you know these are for the consumption purposes for the you know for a, for an individual uh, but the four skill set that will always launch your career or you know boost your career are reading writing listening and speaking i mean these are the basic and i think most of the people these days i see more their career track are not you know going the way they want or they are failing somewhere is because they are not having core skill set in this four verticals like reading writing listening and speaking we all have done this in school uh, but believe me that i have seen people uh, who are at a you know possibly director position but still cannot write the way they should actually and i think this four skill set you know you need to focus on it uh, anyhow in whichever position you are i would say do you think chat gpt or gpt4 would uh, help in this regard at somewhat level it can help of course uh, in terms of writing of course it can help to somewhat level uh, but still you need to do some human efforts because i have tried uh, chat gpt as well few times now since past 2 3 months uh but yeah at the end of the day you know you need to put a command right <laughs> for that and when the command gives you a result you still need to kind of polish it you cannot actually you know put it up uh, as it is it's it's kind of you know of course uh, making the writer's job little bit easier i would say but not easier to the extent that the buzz has been created <laughs> in the market i totally agree with you i mean at the end of the day it's just a tool and the output from that tool is only as good as the person who's actually using the tool yes you've of course worked on a lot of international assignments 
uh, on a lot of these non-European or the other uh, unexplored markets. But coming back to the French space scene, since you're located there, what level of French language proficiency is needed to really break into these in, into the French space scene? For the French, like if you'd like to actually work in the French space ecosystem, uh, I mean, as compared to what it was back in 2017, now things are pretty much, you know, I would say open. Like they accept the people who speak English. But of course, you need to at least master until A2, A2 to B1 level at, at the most. At least, at least if you know, it, it doesn't matter even if you cannot, you know, possibly write well uh, or, you know, uh, kind of other things. But uh, at least you should be able to speak a few things. At least you should be able to understand things uh, which can be communicated well with your colleagues, with your team, with your partners. And I believe uh, there are a lot of actually French companies like even Euroconsult and all, <clears throat> and they hire the non-French uh, speakers here in Paris as well. Uh, so that, that's, I mean, they have become much more, I would say, pretty much open as compared to what they, it was the in back in 2017 and 18. Uh, but yeah, I would, I would highly still recommend uh, people that, you know, uh, if you want to work in the space uh, space industry, you should you should at least master some level of French, if not an expert level, you know, at least A1 to A2 level you can do, you know, it's quite easy. I mean, you can do it in within a span of six months, actually. So it's it's, I would say, very much necessary as you if you would like to progress your career in the French space industry. Yeah, I can totally imagine. I mean, even if for someone to actually move to France and live there, it totally makes sense to be able to carry out conversations with, you know, with the French people around. And also French is not any obsolete language, right? It's it's one of the most romantic languages in the world. So yes, <laughs> I'm sure there's enough, yes, enough, yes, enough motivation yeah. to learn. So Omkar, it's been such a fun conversation you've shared such in such intricate detail your journey and i'm sure this would inspire a lot of people to seriously consider such offbeat and non-traditional career paths so thank you so much for that and if space enthusiasts or young professionals they want to reach you and connect with you what's the best way to do so i'll provide my contact details uh, to you you can actually put up in the episode description uh, also i'm highly active on linkedin and of course, I have my own website, but I'm highly active on LinkedIn, so you can drop me a message on LinkedIn anytime. Send a request as well. That's great. Perfect. Thanks. Thanks again, Omkar. Have a, hope you have a nice rest of the Sunday. Yes. Thank you very much, Rashna. It has been a great conversation and I wish you all the best for your future episodes too. I am one of your subscribers. So yeah, keep making the episodes great. Oh, you're <laughs> so kind. Thank you. Thank you so much.